Welcome to the Worship Place podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. Don't ever forget that saying. When you're wringing your hands, the sweat's pouring off your brow, and your nerves are shot. Just say it and say it with faith. With God, all things are possible. Give the devil a black eye by saying it. Hallelujah. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Today, I'm going to speak to you on the footprints of faith. You're going to receive a powerful portion of faith for your problems, for your healing, and for salvation. I'm here to talk about something that I've experienced in my whole life. It is the faith of God. I have seen it operated in my life, and I'm here to declare the faith of God in this service today. God is still the healer. He is still the problem solver, and he's still the savior. Do you believe it? Say amen. First, we must understand faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, it is the confidence, assurance, that something we want is going to happen. It is a certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us, even though we can't see it. Now, if you can see it, if you prayed and you saw your faith and it, it did something in your life and you're holding on to that faith, then you don't need the faith that I'm talking about because you've already experienced it. But if you haven't experienced it, it's, it really, you need the faith of God. Yes, Romans 10, 17 So when faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, when you hear the preached word of God, it inspires faith. So the first footprint of faith is overcoming the flesh barrier. I have three points that I'm going to bring to your attention. Fear and doubt stand in the way of receiving faith. We tend to look at the negative side of the aspects of our situation. Israel was ready to possess the promised land and they were standing on the banks of the Jordan River awaiting the reports from the 12 spies. Ten of the spies had flesh barrier. All they saw was the giants, a walled city, and the enemy army. And they whined and they complained. There's too many giants in the land and there's an army there, and we, we don't feel like we can go in and take that. Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that they had, had faith and gave a positive report. But the negative report crushed the hopes of Israel, sent them back into the desert for 40 more years and caused death and destruction upon those that refused to push through the flesh barrier. Doubt will destroy. 
Unbelief is a spirit of the devil. Mark 11, 22, 24. Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall, ye shall have them. Hallelujah. Now the disciples were out on the sea, and Jesus appeared on the choppy waters. That's just like the Lord, isn't it? Mark 14, 28, 31. And Peter answered him and this, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. You know, the Lord's standing in front of him, and <laughs> this is my time to walk on the water to Jesus. And he said, come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the, the wind, and he saw, heard how high the wind was, and the waves are, were real high, and very choppy. He started looking around and oh, it started sinking because he looked around. He didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. He cried, begin to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. And, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, Oh, thou little faith. Wherefore didst thou doubt? You have to take your eyes off of the circumstances you are in. And begin to listen and not look. Satan wants to place fear in your heart. The fear of not pulling out of your situation or trial. The fear that your lost children will not come to repentance. And the fear that God has forgotten about you. Now, when my husband passed away 12 years ago, I had everything. I had fear. I had doubt. I had it all. And I thought, my God, I'm sinking. I've got it all. And he showed me the grieving tunnel. He said, you're in this grieving tunnel that the, the walls are lined with grief, resentment, bitterness. And unbelief. And there's a whole lot of folks with you. And he said, you've been here three times. How long are you going to stay here? Oh, oh, I'm out of here right now. So, you know, my husband's death was such a high encounter with the Almighty. He was not sick. I was in his arms the night before and the next day. He was dead. It was a shock to my system. I, a big hole appeared in my heart. I was hurting. And I told the kids, your dad's gone. I think I'll go with him. They said, mother, you encouraged us to have all these kids. 16 of them. Now you stay around and help us raise them and pray for them. I said, oh, Lord, forgive me. 
I didn't mean that. Don't hold me to that, Lord. I got to seeing all those kids, and I thought, Lord, I better stay around here. And so I was in that grieving tunnel, and the day after he passed away, let me back up. When we, it was on a Saturday that he passed away, my son-in-law said, Mom, you and the girls stay home. You've gone through a lot of trauma, and you're, you've been, and I want you just to relax and, and stay at home. I said, are you kidding? What's wrong with you? I can't stay at home and know what happened here. I've got to go worship. I've got to do something. You see, God gives life, and God takes life, and you've got to get in step with him when things like that happen. If you don't, you'll sink like Peter. And I said, no, I'm going to church. And I got on that organ, and I don't know, something just came all over me, and I started. Then sings, my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Oh, the Holy Ghost came into place. And I thought... Oh, this feels good. Oh, this feels wonderful. The night service came. Now, Mom, my son-in-law, bless his heart, he's trying to help. He said, y'all stay at home. You've been through a lot. And I said, I'm not staying at home. What I felt this morning, I got to get it again tonight. How am I going to survive this? I was in literal shock. Went back to church that night. And we started singing. Celebrate in the presence of the Lord. He is worthy to be praised. Ooh, celebrate in the presence of the Lord. But, and standing beside the organ was my daughter, Rolanda. And the mantle had been passed to her when her daddy died. And she was crying with tears just streaming down her cheeks and saying, God, I didn't get to kiss my daddy goodbye. I didn't get to hug him. And he said to her, celebrate. God, how can I celebrate? I lost my daddy. He said, your daddy would want you to. And so she started picking up her legs. She said they were so heavy. And she was so sorrowful. But all of a sudden, they got to going, and all, she started going out under the power of God, laid out on the floor, and when she came to, she said, Mom, bright light swirled around me and brushed my cheek and hugged me. And when those lights lifted, there stood my dad in a white robe. And she said, Daddy. He said, Rolanda, everything's going to be all right. Now, he said, you need to get up and worship. And she said, but if I do, you'll go. And he said, it doesn't make any difference. You need to worship. And she said, I was so thankful she said this. She said, what about mom? <laughs> and he looked over at the organ and smiled real big and said, she's going to be just fine. 
She's going to pick up where I left off. I said, thank you, Lord. If it has to be this way, thank you, Jesus. If it has to be this way. You see, God, when he takes something from me, he always replaces it with something just as awesome as before. You can count on God to do that. So the next day came. I was all by, they all wanted to spend the night with me. Oh, no, 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 no. You all go home to your homes, enjoy some good rest. Because I, I don't want to become a cripple by everybody being with me. I want to be alone with the Lord. So I, I started that retching. I've never, I've never retched before like that. I started retching, and I said, oh, God, i got to get out of this house. So I started, we had 10 acres, so I started walking down the dusty road to the bunkhouse. And I went through the bunkhouse where the evangelist and the missionaries lived. It wasn't any good either. So I went out and went into his office. It got worse. I said, oh, i got to get out of here. So I went to the tack room where he, where he died, standing up. Now, mind you. The man was, when I got to him, the man was perfectly laid out, nothing out of place, nothing. The only thing that freaked me out was the purple on his face. I said, what's that purple on his face, Lord? He said, it's a mask I put on there so you'll know he's gone. Well, that didn't stop me. I was ready to raise him from the dead. He said, if you, if you believe I can raise from the dead, I was going to give it all I got. So I swooped him up in my arms and, and started praying. And I felt the faith of God and the power of God. And I said, breathe life into this vessel that has served you for years and years and years and been faithful. And you used him to raise the dead. You used him to heal the sick. And now he bring him to life. All of a sudden, an invisible hand came and pushed me aside and whispered in my ear, I laid him down gently. In other words, you let him go. And I, no, Lord, please don't say that. Please. It was a spiritual encounter with God. I'm, I'm arguing with the Lord. Don't do that, Lord. He said, I said, I laid him down gently. And so, finally, this is what the Lord spoke. Do you deny me your husband's desire to go be with me before you? I said, no, Lord, I don't deny that. I'm sure that's what he asked, knowing my husband. And he said, do you deny my delight in taking him home to be with me? I said, no, Lord, I don't. You're not going to deny the Lord anything. And so he said, I have ordered your footsteps ever since you were a little girl. Get in step with me. I said, I'm behind you all the way, but it hurts. I'm behind you, Lord, all the way, but it hurts. So I went down and went through these rooms and came out and I thought I was retching and I laid on the white uh, white pipe fence 
like this, I thought, if I reach out and touch the horses, maybe I'll feel better. I had about six horses in the pasture. I reached out, and they all ran. I said, dumb horses. Don't they know when I need help? And so, and then there was a little, a little black and white paint over in the corner. She, when she was born, she, her owners were gone. And the mother gave birth to the horse. And the horse somehow fell across the fence and the mother could not give it nourishment. When the owners came back, the horse was almost dead. They scooped up the horse, took it to the vet, and the vet helped it come back to life. But it messed with its brain. So it was, you know, you couldn't ride the horse. You couldn't approach her. She just took off galloping. If the other horses came, she just went nuts. And you couldn't do anything with her, but she was pretty. So we just left her in the pasture. But she's watching them horses run away from me. I was just laying there, just retching and crying. All of a sudden, I just looked, and here come, her name was Majesty. Here come Majesty. I thought, what is she going to do? Kick me? What is she going to do? She's nuts. And I was just waiting, and all of a sudden, she came. And with her nose, she picked both my arms up. And begin to retch and weep and soaked her the side of her neck. And the whole time I was weeping, she was rubbing my face with her nose. And when I got through retching like that, all of a sudden the spirit got real light. I said, Majesty, you came and took my grief. And she, I said, thank you. You see, God takes the debased things of life and turns it for his glory. Those other horses weren't debased like little majesty was. But he took that little horse. And that horse ministered to me. And I never did that again. And I never grieved again. If you, I'm telling you, God cares about you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God cares about you. He cares about you. He loves you. Sometimes we think God don't know where we're at. He does. And he's mindful of the little things in life. And so the second step is faith's triumphant sound. Romans 10, 17. So when faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Faith stands on the word of God. God's word cannot fail. You can lie, lay your life on the word and then go pick it up again. Faith is seeing your solution in the spiritual realm. I don't know where you're at today, but God knows where you're at today. Now back to the children of Israel. Forty years later, they stand at the Jordan River again with Joshua as their leader. And God commands Joshua one. Three, one, chapter 1, 3 through 9. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I have said unto Moses. 
Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou go. They marched to the Jordan River. And when their feet touched the water, the river rolled back. And they marched through dry land. And, but they were not finished making footprints. God commands them to march around the walls of Jericho. On the last time around, faith's triumphant sound rang through the land and the walls came crashing down. Now, historians say the walls didn't crash out. The walls crashed in and it killed all the enemy. Because if they'd have crashed out, they wouldn't have killed the enemy. They all, it all fell in on the enemy. Footprints meant possession. It had to be their footprints. If you need faith to come into your heart and mind, you will have to make footprints of faith. You say, how? If you don't have the victory, shout for the victory. Hallelujah. If you don't have healing, thank God for healing. Do not miss a church service where you can listen to messages Listen to music that glorifies God. Claim those things which were as though they were, which are not as though they were. If you want the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, seek and it shall be given. Knock and the door shall be open. I'm telling you, you've got to make footprints. You've got to get a hold of the horns of the altar and don't let go until something happens. Caleb came to Joshua. Remember those mountains that I made footprints around? A mountain that was promised to me 40 years ago. Joshua gave permission and Caleb took his men and possessed the mountain and conquered the giants and the armies 40 years later. Just think of all that time they missed because of their flesh barrier. I read this story about a mighty uh, man that had faith back in the early century. Charles Price was a mighty preacher of faith. He went all over the world preaching and drawing large crowds. He told the story about a little girl who was brought to the platform. He asked her, how old are you, sweetheart? And she timidly said, I am seven, sir. He asked her, do you love Jesus? She replied, yes. Then he said, Jesus loves the children. He then asked her, what is your problem? She answered with a very pain expression on her face. And slowly lifting her limb to show the people a crippled and deformed little foot encased in a big, special, large, bulky boot. Under her arm, she held something that was of value to her. He said, what is that? She unfastened the string, unrolled the paper, and to the astonishment of the people's eyes, she presented a new shoe. She held it up for everyone to see and explained, I brought, brought it with me so I could wear it home. And wear it home she did. Such was the childlike faith of that little girl. See, we have to become like children. You know what? If you think you know it all, you don't. You're not going to get anywhere with God. you got to become as a little child. 
Remember, there's a divine timing to God's great works. Caleb had to wait before he was rewarded for his faith, but he never, never wavered. And that's where we get in trouble. We waver. You know, God's time is not our time. He has his own time. His ways are far above our ways. And you're going to have to wait on God if you're going to get anything from him. Now, this is what is amazing to me. There was, there was a day when 120 people were waiting by faith in an upper room. They were waiting for the promise of the Father. Waiting for the face triumphant sound. They had just witnessed the most gruesome death of their Lord and Savior. They had every right to be depressed and distraught. But they had received a promise from the Lord. And they were holding on to that promise. Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Hallelujah. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like, like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, if in, anybody would have got up and left that room, I don't know if anybody did. They didn't get nothing. It's the ones that stayed and never wavered. They stayed in that upper room, and they said, God, being my helper, I'm going to stay and see what happens because God promised something would happen. That's what you got to That's how you got to get. 2 Timothy 1.13, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost who dwelleth in us. Timothy was telling, hold on to what you received. Now the final step of faith. Faith's unmovable power. Immovable power. The third step. Doubt has to go. Hope comes in. Faith comes from the word of God and peace will come when you release the power of praise and the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you a story. You've heard stories about when Jesus walked the face of the earth. He healed the sick. He, he opened blinded eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He raised the dead. He's, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm telling you a story that comes right out of the, the Holy Word. I have a daughter. She's my middle girl. Her husband is a doctor in Amarillo. And uh, they had two boys, and they, she was pregnant with another, her third child. And they were so excited about what was fixing to happen. About the seventh month, my daughter said to her doctor, something is not right. I'm getting worried. And she said to her husband, I'm very worried. He said, well, let's get to the doctor quick, even though he was one. 
he didn't want to have to face that. So they rushed to the doctor. And the doctor was a personal friend of ours. He delivered all my, my grandchildren. He was all of our doctors. And so he said to Gina, Gina, he had a pain look on his face. We got to operate now. We've just got to. They checked the baby and there was no movement, no sound. And said, we're going to have to do a C emergency C-section right now. They were broken hearted. My husband got to that. They called my husband. My husband got up there and they fell in his arms. And he said, he said, he was a mighty man of faith. He said, you're going to have to go in and praise God for that little girl just like she is. I don't know what you're going to find. And you've got to be brave. You've got to be strong in the Lord. Her doctor husband said, come on, Gina, let's go give our baby back to Jesus. They walked in there and they both prayed and gave that baby back to the Lord. Olivia's, we all ended up, they, they had to airlift her to Dallas. Said, we got to airlift her and she may not make it at all. So he, he told them, the doctor walked in and stood in the doorway and we were in a circle. The family had gathered there and we were in a circle and we were speaking in tongues. Who can talk English? When you were looking at this, God understands what you're speaking. Nobody else understands it. They don't need to. God understands. That's all that counts. We were speaking in tongues. I, you know, but I was just in total shock. It seemed like the Lord liked to shock me like that or something. So anyway, we were praying. And the doctor stood right there, bowed his head. And this is, and waited till we got through, and this is what he said. He stated that she had died in the womb, therefore, when he pulled her out, she suffered a massive stroke, blew out the left side of her brain. And he said, it looks horrible. He said, we have to airlift her to Dallas. So they brought in a helicopter and got, got her to Dallas and had the, surger, the surgeons and everybody and the nurses, 25 of them, ready to operate on her brain. Well, on the way to Dallas, they said she wouldn't make it. Well, now, wait a minute. <laughs> We're not serving. You're not serving anybody but Almighty God. Amen. So... A bunch of saints heard that the, we called the prayer chain. They all gathered at the church, started making footprints of faith. On the way, they let her daddy go in that airplane with her, and he was watching those things that they had hooked up to her. And she stabilized on the way there. Now, <laughs> uh, the surgical team was in place. But by the time the plane landed, she had stabilized. You see, while the plane was in the air, some footprints of faith were made in prayer. Prayer changes things. 
Then we received news that all the doctors checked her, and we received news that she had three holes in her heart. Now listen to this. It's a mess. Her liver was failing. Oh, my goodness. And, didn't, and she did not have a soft spot, which meant there was severe bleeding on the brain. The doctors told us that she probably bleed out at night. Bless, I love doctors because I got it. You know, they help. They're, well, you know, uh, Luke was a doctor. Luke in the Bible was a doctor. And God told Luke to go heal thyself. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so when they told us that she bleed out, then when I heard that Ron and Gina had to make the decision to not have her revived, I said, I told Gina, let's go scrub down and go in. I want to make footprints of, prayer, of faith and prayer. You couldn't touch a little thing. She's three pounds. Are you showing those pictures? Okay. Okay. Oh. Okay. So I went in. It's a big, big hospital for children. I couldn't lift her up, so I just put my hands underneath her blankets. And they were giving her blood transfusions. She was in horrible shape. She, her liver caused her to have, she was yellow, very yellow. And um, went in and began to speak in tongues. Like I say, you can't talk English when you're trying to get a hold of God. You just Get in there and do what you got to do. You don't care who's there or who's listening. Everybody was listening and watching me like I had lost my ever-loving mind. I didn't care. You don't care. When you need God, you need him. You don't care. You're just going to get a hold of something that will give you, give you some relief. You're hurting. <clears throat> so we went in there and... Um, I begin to pray, Lord, remember my grandfather, A.D. Urshan, that paid such a price to take the gospel to Russia and all over the world to Iran and all those places. He suffered some unbelievable things. They tried to take his life, and God wouldn't let him take his life. And God spared him. He said, I'll be first martyr. He was ready to die, but the man lived and did a mighty work in Russia. And to this day in Russia, there's two hundred and two and a half million uh, Urshanites. My last name's Urshan. They couldn't say Pentecost, so they said Urshanites. Underground church. Underground brought the gospel to all of Russia. And I said, remember his uncles. They were just as great going as missionaries all over the place. And, and I said, and remember this baby's great-grandma and grandpa, which is my mom and dad, went all over the world singing and preaching the gospel and giving their very best to God. And I said, and don't remember this baby. Don't forget to remember this baby's Grandpa, 
a man of faith. And I just, you sometimes you have to tell the Lord. He knows it all, but he wants to hear it from you. You have to speak. And you have to speak with power. You can't be whiny and you can't complain. You've got to get rid of all that. When you're speaking to God, speak with power. With God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. We're serving a mighty God. And I said, remember, Lord, and I say the perfect will of God be done in this baby's life. And so I said, Gina, let's go. I felt something in the Holy Ghost because the Lord gave me a scripture, Psalms 128. Blessings on all who reverence and trust the Lord and on all who obey him. Their reward shall be prosperity and happiness. Your wife shall be contented in your home. And look at all those children. They sit around the dinner table as vigorous and healthy as young olive trees. Now, my grandbaby's name was Olivia. That meant olive tree. That is God's reward to those who reverence and trust him. May the Lord continually bless you with heaven's blessings as well as with human joy. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren, and may God bless Israel. So I told him, God gave me that scripture. I'm not worried. I know what God said. His word is true. And when the whole world's on fire, the word of God's going to still be standing. It pays to reverence God and his word. Blessing on all who trust and obey. So that evening we left with peace and faith in our hearts. But the devil wasn't through. He was going to do his best to discourage the living daylights out of us. I woke up at four in the morning shouting, absolutely not. You cannot have that baby. She is the Lord's. I dreamt about Olivia's funeral. I woke up. It just took my breath. And I said, Gina, wake up. She said, Mom, it's only four in the morning. I said, I don't care. Wake up. We've got some things to do here. And she went, I said, call that hospital. They said she wouldn't make it through the night. Call the hospital. She called the hospital, and she, this is what the hospital said. She's sleeping sound and doing great. And I want you to know that back in Amarillo, my, grand, my daughter, Rolanda, and her husband had moved into Gina's house to take care of her boys. They went into Olivia's, Olivia's room and began to make footprints of faith around her crib. The rocking chair, the dresser, her blankets, and claimed that Olivia one day would be in that beautiful baby's room. Now, while that nurse was giving her transfusion, when she, when I got through praying, she said, Grandma, this baby's going home with you. I said, oh, I know that. I just felt the confidence of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I was talking in the Holy Ghost. The doctor said, now, mind you, they couldn't touch her. 
The doctor said we will kill that child if we touch her. They couldn't do anything with her. The doctor said if she lives, she will not walk. She will not talk. She will not hear or see. The stroke had destroyed the left side of her brain. And to this day, she still has the hole in her brain. But around the hole is white brain cells. And they kept showing her daddy the hole in her head. And he said, if they show me that one more time, I'm going to slap them all. <laughs> I don't want to see that brain. It was horrible. But then I want to show you what God said. You got those pictures up there? Where are they at? Oh, there you go. Get the pictures where what God, what God said. Get them where she's at four, at, they sent us home and said, you go, you, you're a hospice doctor, you go take care of your baby like you know how to take care of it. And said, do what you got to do. And he said, don't worry about it. This baby will be well cared for, no matter what. So um, God said, remember, I'm here to tell you, when you receive faith, it's immovable and powerful. Faith is unstoppable. Faith knows no defeat. Faith never trembles. Faith never falters. Faith always triumphs. And faith is final. Faith is final. She's being baptized in Jesus' name. There she is. And she plays the violin beautifully. And that's her driver's license. Ha! Shandala There she's driving the car. That's my girl. I'm telling you. Whatever you need today. The Bible says if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed. It must go. I brought some mustard seed with me today. You folks don't know. I don't know if you know what mustard seed looks like. You can't hardly see it. But if you plant it in the ground, it grows to a big tree. But you got to get it in the ground. And that's, what, that's where your faith, when you have something that is so powerful, like God raising this baby from the dead. And raising her up from a massive stroke. You can't even see that. Then it gives you faith and your faith grows. And it gives you confidence to believe for other things in your life. There's some of you here have mountains, big mountains. I need some music. We got any music? Because I'm going to do some praying. Faith in God can move a mighty mountain. Faith can calm the raging sea. Faith is powerful. And I've got, I want, I need two people up here because they got to hand out these mustard seeds. I want you to hold on to this. 
And if it ever, come on, brother, come on. You just need to come. You have to share. I hope I have enough for everybody. If I don't, I'll do my best to send you some. But I'm telling you, whatever you need today, if, if you receive faith, you, have, you can receive the power of the Holy Ghost today. If you need the Holy Ghost, just stay here at the altar. I want the folks. They have to make footprints up here. Come back here, brethren. Brethren, come back here. They have to make footprints. If they want something to happen in their lives, they have to make footprints. They have to do it themselves. You don't need to be taking it to them because they need to make footprints. And so, um, I want you all to stay right here and let the folks, let's stand, saints, let's stand. Let's stand. We're going to get this right. This is a special, special time. The faith of God is moving in this church. There's been a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting. And God wants to do a mighty, mighty work in this place. And when you have your mustard seed and you're facing tribulation, I know what tribulation is, saints. I know what it is. Some, somebody said, I told, well, I, I told somebody, I said, I've had so much tribulation that um, I think of the saying, life is like a bowl of cherries with the pits in it. But I said, I live in the pits. The Lord rebuked me. He said, no, you don't. You don't live in the pits. Because he said, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you're going to take those pits that you're holding in your hand. And you're going to, you're going to go down the way and plant another cherry tree. And the, you're going to pray over that cherry tree and you're going to be, be, be thankful and pray for the faith of God to come to your heart. And God is going to bring, smile upon that, those pits and he's going to smile down and the sun of his love is going to shine on those pits and cause another cherry tree to grow. But in his time, not your time, in his time. Well, they're coming. They believe it. Yeah, they believe it. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. When you get discouraged, look at that little mustard seed and say, God, you said in your word. That if we had faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you'd remove this horrific mountain in my life. And it's got to go. It must go. And I believe with all my heart, God, today, faith will be born in your heart. Faith's going to be born in your heart.